Testing, testing, one, two, one, two. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Wherever you are listening to this, welcome to the next episode of The Tub Hub. My name is Corey Wharton Malcolm, aka Bit Beefy, and I am your host. Now, if this is the first time that you are listening to this podcast, let me tell you a little bit about it. This is all about exploring the word help in all its forms. So I have wonderful guests on my show and I ask them simple questions such as, do you ask for help? Why do you ask for help? When do you ask for help? How does helping make you feel? Now, if you haven't realized already, I am in my bathtub and my wonderful guests, they will also be in a bathtub. Now, as per usual, I've waffled on for far too much. So without any further ado, I'm going to welcome my next guest. Matilda, are you there? I am here. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Matilda, how are you on this fine evening? I am feeling good. I've had a long overdue staycation. I am definitely in the mood to chat. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Um, So, Matilda, can you tell our wonderful listeners... Um, firstly, what is it that you do? Um, and secondly, how do we know each other? Mm, so, yeah, my name is Matilda. I work in marketing for an activewear brand. Um, but in my downtime, I am a avid runner and the founder of Flygo Collective, which is <laughs> a... Thank you. <laughs> it's a running... <laughs> fitness and wellness community um, for black and brown women to basically inspire them and encourage them to pursue a health and fitness lifestyle. Amazing. Um, And how long have you been doing that for, Matilda? So next year will be three years. And yeah, it's it's been quite an incredible journey because it very much started is me just wanting to see if there were other black women like me who wanted to run together. And in the past, yeah, the past years, it's just, it's just been incredible to see so many people believe in my vision. So yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Um, and we're going to bounce around a little bit in the show as you've led beautifully into a question that I would love to ask. Um, when you started it, did you, did you ask anyone for help or, or did you just do it yourself? That is a really good question. Did I ask anyone to help me? I can't say I did. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was because I didn't think it was something I needed help with. It was mm-hmm. more me just needing to be brave. So mm-hmm. I definitely asked for advice around what would I need to be like a run leader. Like I remember Mm. specifically being at a track session and I think both you and Manny had mentioned, oh, you got to do the LERF. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think in terms of the actual setting up, that was Mm -hmm. very much me, um, me, myself and I. Wicked. Um, And so how do we know each other? Well, (laughs) (laughs) 
Many, many, many moons ago, I met you through Rundem Crew. And from what I recollect, because I feel like I've kind of forgotten the exact premise other than the fact that I was living in West London at the time Mm -hmm. and you were running the Rundem Crew West Sessions And I remember this is where people were like tweeting because I feel like nobody, well, some people use Twitter, but I definitely think our community does not. Yeah, we were were tweeters back then. (laughs) We were hardcore tweeters. (laughs) (laughs) And we have each other's phone numbers. Literally, right? (laughs) So um, I definitely remember you you must have tweeted me and just said, hey, when are you going to come back to a session? Um, And I think ever since then, I was definitely hardcore random crew west and you know you really sort of looked after myself and a few others who were kind of new to the running journey and you know were really excited about where the running scene was going so at the time it was like bridge the gap and all that sort of international travel um but yeah just kind of just through random crew west and then just all the amazing things that you were kind of encouraging us to do i kind of just jumped on board like kind of a you know all the different challenges around the city the scavenger hunts like (laughs) you've been busy (laughs) you've been busy it's it's crazy to like talk about that stuff not because i've forgotten about it but because you don't remember it all of the time like Mm. unless like people say things like that when you like when you're when you're at home chilling relaxing it's not often that i like reflect on the oyster monday or the mission impossible mission impossible yeah like it's it's and that's why i keep like so many photos or that's why like i keep my facebook account so that from time to time i can go back and remember like the very very beginning and what's crazy is to now look at what so many of the people who were there at the very beginning beginning have gone on to like achieve and 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 like do whether it's personally professionally it's like what an amazing crop or group of people that were just together at like a moment in time it's crazy yeah it was such a definitive era and i think for me it was just nice to experience running and fitness in this really fun accessible way like i definitely don't think i would have carried on running were it not for those kind of experiences that you sort of created because you kind of just changed what running was meant to be like it even went beyond the whole like oh you're running for a race or you're running for you know to achieve a certain pb like and i i mean without a doubt you know track mafia was a massive inspiration for Fly Girl Collective because even oh, just thank you. no, I mean that was the model. I was like, <laughs> like this core group of people. You know, it's not a massive community. Like people can like come to the Thursdays if they want, but there's this core that are just like the foundation. It's like yeah, I gotta make it. Like I have to have a foundation crew and not yeah. worry about how many people come to the runs or whatever. And I just gotta keep the squad tight. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's it. Like, I don't believe in, like, the the saying, no new friends. No way. Like, I have lots of new friends. 
Like, I just believe in no unvetted friends. <laughs> That's the best way. That's the best way to describe it. But it's true. It. <laughs> but because if someone sometimes... doesn't vouch for you, you, like, you can't get in. Bruh, I mean, is the, um, nobody wants anyone to mash up the thing, and that was exactly. my biggest fear. So in me kind of going out and saying, right, I'm going to kind of create my own thing, I just needed to do that in the most, you know, kind of risk-averse way possible. And that very much meant needing to know the people who were joining and just being very mindful about that. Because, I mean, new, new people come to Fly Girl Collective, especially on a membership level, but I definitely want to get to know them and, and know yeah. what they're about. Because the beauty of getting to know people is that's for me where like the real strength is in a community. Like if you know mm. what your community members are doing and they know what you're doing, you're a lot stronger because you can build together. <laughs> yeah. again, everyone's off doing their own thing, but it's about being in different places and, and building bridges. Um, yeah. <laughs> and outside of building fly girl collective how are you with the word help mm, it's quite an interesting one because you know there's i guess there's i don't want to say there's two facets of me so there's like you know there's a part of me that's you know very spiritual um you know i'm a christian and in the context of faith you know mm -hmm. help is something that you know, we learn that we get that from the Bible, we get that from prayer. So mm -hmm. instinctively, the first thing is always like, you know, my help comes from the Lord. There's like a gospel song where that's mm -hmm. the actual <laughs> lyric, you know, you know. Um, but then outside of that, or at least from a practical standpoint, mm -hmm. help is one of those things where I... I've had an interesting relationship with. So in my mind, it's like, you know what? I've, I've prayed about it. I've given it to the Lord mm -hmm. and I'll just get on with life. But I think over time, I've definitely learned that there are certain tools and resources that, you know, God has allowed to exist, you know? Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> very like, well put. <laughs> it's like you know you can you can get therapy if you want to girl like you know <laughs> and so definitely of late I've definitely been seeking out and more sort of with intention that type of help so mm -hmm. getting professional help um and I will for my you know for I guess my for my own sort of reference, I tend to, you know, seek, say, Christian counseling because mm -hmm. a lot of my values, a lot of that is based in faith. So, um, you know, late I, I, um, I've been seeing a, a therapist, you know, mm -hmm. who's also a Christian. So when we talk about certain things, you know, she kind of gets where I'm coming from. And it's, it's been enlightening <laughs> just having, you know, therapy over quite a significant period of time. And how have you found um, speaking to a therapist in comparison to, I guess, speaking to a non-professional? Mm. I feel like when I have maybe said, maybe asked friends for help in the past, mm -hmm. um, friends will help me. Or, mm -hmm. I mean, let's, let's say it's helping me with a problem to solve. 
-hmm. and you know they'll do the best that they can what i find with say a professional is they won't accept that the thing i'm asking for help for Mm -hmm. is the actual problem so they'll probe they'll dig They'll yeah. be like, but actually, let's take a few steps back. And you're like, what, mm-hmm. what? Like, what's the issue? Why are we going well, here? Like, I want to deal with this. <laughs> so I definitely feel like getting the professional help has meant that I've had to kind of really reassess the way I think about things. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if I'm just going to a friend, they'll kind of just take it at face value. They'll think, mm-hmm. okay, the thing Matilda's asking about, that's what she needs help with. And sometimes that is the case, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, could you help me like promote this thing that we're doing with fly go? Yeah, sure. I'll share it with my friends. Um, mm. you know, if I ask therapists like, Oh yeah, I need help. I need people to help me promote this thing. It's like, why is it so important for you to have people helping you? Like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> 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 like, what does it mean for you to ask your friends? But I'm like, wow. Um, okay. <laughs> And then how, not hard, how, how deep do you then have to dig for that second layer of answer? Are these things, obviously, please don't divulge what you don't want to, but no, are these course. things that you haven't thought about before or has the therapist helped you view things in a different way or from a different angle? Absolutely. Um, in terms of how dig I need, to, uh, sorry, how deep I need to dig, it's not even like there's things that I've repressed. It's just nobody's asked me that question. So it's yes. like if you ask me that question, I'll answer it quite honestly and earnestly. Um, it's just more a case of oh, I never really thought about that that yes. way. Okay, or she may ask me something that I was afraid she would ask. And then it's like, oh, snap. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie to her. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always going to be, like, truthful and authentic. But it's just like, oh, man, she asked me that. Well, yeah. let me share, you know? Um, and do you believe that therapy is something that, others should seek out yes <laughs> <laughs> this is why i worded the question so slowly because every single person they've just come back with a straight yes of course <laughs> without a doubt and i think it's because it's so easy to underestimate the impact just life experiences and the journey of life can have on us mm-hmm. you know it's like I was thinking today about just, you know, where I am in my career and the work that I do. And I was reflecting on the fact that there's so many little things, little experiences that I've had Mm -hmm. ever since, you know, I've existed that have enabled me to have the skill set to do what I do today. But you kind of forget that you've gone through that journey and you've yeah. gone through that fire in some instances. Like, you, you, you know, you just think about, oh, well, I'm here now, I'm in the present, and, and this is what I do. But it's like, can you remember why you do that? Can you remember the moment you actually learned how to do Excel like that or the moment you learned how to frame conversations in that way? Um, so I think with therapy, um, sometimes in our present, 
there may be things that we're struggling with, mm-hmm. you know, we'll just look at it on face value and just think, oh, this is the real issue or this is the real problem, or we'll actually be looking to the wrong sources for a solve. And it's like, actually seeing someone who doesn't know you, who's completely objective, mm-hmm. they can help you, you know, and pick certain things. And my friend, you know, she's um, a trained counselor and, you know, she'll say that, you know, there's some people who, They'll turn up, but they don't delve. So even though it, mm. I believe everybody should do it, I don't. I can't guarantee that everybody's going to have the same kind of experience because it really comes down to the person and their willingness to 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 dive. Yeah, to dive in. Because I think it has a lot to do with trust. Mm-hmm. Like it has such a huge impact on how much you well not even you not you as in you but how much individuals are willing to divulge um and i know that there are some people who will as you said some people will go to therapy and after a couple of weeks or after a couple of months they they might start to open up and then mm-hmm. there are other situations where people have been in therapy for for three four five even longer years and they don't say a word um, yeah. Like myself and Jules, we were watching a documentary on Netflix and it was about great coaches. Um, and I can't remember the name of the coach, but it was a tennis coach um, who was uh, Serena's coach. Can't remember the name of the guy. Um, but basically in his story, when he was in school, he was so scared to talk to people. He just didn't say a word, like said nothing, absolutely nothing <laughs> to nobody. Um, but this gave him this skill of of just watching people. So watching people's body language, watching how people move, watching how people react to certain situations. And apparently he was in therapy for years <clears throat> as a child. And it took him years and years and years just to say hello or something like that to the therapist. But all of these years, he had learnt how to to watch people watch how people move and that's why he said he is the amazing coach that he is right wow that's incredible which is crazy um Mm. now do people come to you for help Matilda Mm, yeah they do and (coughs) I think not and and I think it's something that I've always invited because I like helping people Mm -hmm. you know and I can't ever promise I can help them with everything, but I definitely have that willingness to, you know, show people that things are solvable, especially like, cause I used to do like a lot of mentoring um, a few years ago, especially like in my field when I was working in the media. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I guess I was really willing to do it is because sometimes people just don't know stuff and you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to be the person to be like, yo, did you know X, Y, and Z? Because it's just one of those things where people, that information isn't, you know, freely available. You know, the media particularly is one of those industries where everybody kind of keeps things to themselves and people don't know how things operate, even down to like how much freelancers should get paid. You know, all that stuff is like, you know, quite secretive and, and under, yeah, a little bit undercover. So I've always been like, yo, holler at me like whatever you need to know like rates or you know just how to pitch or how to get into this space 
sure, you know, my, my door is always open. I can't promise to help everyone, you know, but I'll definitely help as many people as I can. So do you believe, Matilda, all of that information that you have, I guess, accumulated, built up, learnt um, over the years in your industry, do you believe that should all be open source? I mean, for the most part, yeah. Like, I feel because somebody, like when you think about the people who are at the top, mm-hmm. they learned from somebody, somebody told them, like mm-hmm. they wouldn't position if somebody had it said to them yo did you know you can do x y and z and i think i'm specifically thinking about black women you know black and brown women who may not understand the industry and just need some insight as as to well how do i get here and what, and what do i need to do i mean the thing about open source information is sometimes people don't know what to do with it so yeah. i think to some extent if people ask me the question, I will give you the answer. But sometimes the information can just be on google.com mm-hmm. forward slash all the information is here. <laughs> what they don't to know do the URL. <laughs> right. Or, yeah, yeah, they don't know the URL or they haven't done the search or whatever. So while I'm not opposed to information being freely available, I think sometimes it's about people who really are seeking that information. Yeah who warrant the information. It's like, if you're looking for it, there you go. Because there's so much information out here that, you know, can solve a lot of problems, but you'll only know it if you're searching for it. And sometimes people just aren't searching or they just expect somebody to hand it to them. Whereas it's like, well, if you ask the question, by all means, I'll help you, but you gotta ask. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, is there a problem? with racism in your industry, Matilda? <laughs> Is there a problem with racism? I mean, I've kind of moved in industries now, so I work more. <laughs> You've moved industries. <laughs> in well, I'm just saying, like, in the, in the media, there's definitely a racism problem mm-hmm. um, in the sense that there's a real disparity between, you know, uh yeah there's a disparity between what is maybe presented and then what's happening behind closed doors mm-hmm. you know and, and and there's so many facets of racism of which could be the actual issue whether it's unconscious bias whether it's stereotyping you know whether it's just yeah nepotism and people just wanting to hire people that's just like them and you know, there's so many issues, but you know, the fact of the matter is race is a problem. And I think at least I've always felt that it's my, yeah, it's definitely important. It's my duty. Yeah. To flag where things may be an issue. And I think that's one of the beauties about, you know, being in the position that I'm in now where something kind of looks a little bit left I can then say, hmm, have we thought about this? Or yes. can we, you know, where some, the problem is, is that sometimes in certain spaces, there just isn't that one person to ask the question because mm-hmm. everybody's the same. Everybody's one shade. So nobody's thinking, oh, actually, could that be a problem? So sometimes if you are the one black girl in the room, you'll have to be the one to be like, um, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so this could actually your... be offensive. Say it so... again. 
so from your perspective how can we change that and when i say how can we change that as in many of the people that i've had on the show they haven't had master plans but they've kind of said oh for their industry we should do playground to podium schemes in mm -hmm. this industry we should go and look for talent in other places and gave specific places so mm -hmm. from your years of experience in the media what would you do if if you could do anything to change how people are found or how people are employed or yeah what what would you change i would say there needs to be a whether it's a program but some sort of pipeline whereby people go from say junior to senior over a certain period of time because what's happening is in some industries um some publications you'll have a lot of diversity but at the bottom mm -hmm. so there isn't this clear pipeline to enable people to kind of go up the ranks mm -hmm. um it, it's you know people may do it in various ways so i've kind of jumped in and out <laughs> you know I've, I've gone actually my trajectory has not been straightforward at all you know it's very much been me needing to take ownership over my own career the things that i want to do but i would love if more companies which you kind of almost see like in the city so there's almost mm -hmm. like this real you know attempt to ensure that people actually go up the ranks mm -hmm. in some respect you know or after a certain amount of years it's like okay you can be considered for this or that whereas you know, I've seen too many situations where someone is like an editorial assistant for eight years. And it's like, how is that possible? You know, like, how have they not been given the opportunity to just, you know, progress? Like, why are people just thinking they're only good to be that one role for eight years? You know, mm -hmm. that's not great. So where possible, I'd almost like to see an initiative where, you know, companies, especially in the media say, okay, right, we're going to have this pipeline whereby, when people come in at this level within two years, we're now looking at how they can progress. I think it's easier said than done because mm -hmm. there has to be a role for them to progress to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so people would have to would... move on or... That's it, that's it. Um, so it's a bit of a tricky one, but even then, even if their progression was like their own role evolved, so mm -hmm. if they're say the editorial assistant, but they specialize or one of their, I guess, key skills, was maybe like the accessories page or whatever then maybe mm -hmm. they go from editorial assistant to assistant editor accessories to you know director of accessories just just a way for them to kind of just naturally progress and then mm -hmm. be remunerated accordingly you know i think that's the main issue that i've seen that a lot of people just stay at a certain level for so long and it just seems like there's no opportunity for them to move forward where people need to be challenged people need to otherwise you just become stagnant right like people need to be challenged to be like right okay so next month where are we going what, what are we doing huh? <laughs> and what has been your greatest challenge what has been my greatest challenge mm, i don't i wouldn't say it's so much of a challenge nowadays mm -hmm. but I think the challenge used to be believing that my unusual journey 
would lead to where I wanted it to go. And, you know, cause when I graduated in 2002, you know, the, I guess the, the pipeline was you become an editorial assistant mm-hmm. and then you're at a publication for a bit and then you might become assistant editor and, and, and whatnot of a section editor and then up you go. And that just never happened. Like I applied for so many jobs, you know, I always believed in my ability, but it was never affirmed. So the biggest challenge was, well, you know what? I'm just going to try this thing by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go over here, try this, go over there, try this. And not ever having that person to be like, yeah, you're on the right path. Other mm-hmm. than, you know, maybe just God reminding me that, don't worry, I got you. But sometimes it was just always hard to believe because you just didn't have that person who took you under your wing, under their wing to mm-hmm. be like, okay, I'm going to open this door for you. So that was definitely the biggest challenge because I mean, I've done everything. I've done a bit of teaching. I used to do photography. I used to work in comms, you know, yeah. I've done loads of things which have all added to my skill set, but mm-hmm. it was just very unconventional. So now where I've landed, I'm like, okay, wow, all of that meant something. Like nothing was wasted. <laughs> no, not a single experience no. or moment was wasted. And so that was actually my next question, but I think you've just answered it. And that is, would you change anything? Like, would you change a part of your journey? Like if I, if I said to you now, like I can fast, I can fast track you. Um, so where you are now, you will be four years ago. Like, would you take that? Mm. <laughs> That's such a hard question because I kind of think that if something was to change and the outcome would be different yeah. that's, that's the thing I feel with the journey like did I like some bits of it no I did not would I have mm-hmm. preferred if some bits didn't happen of course but I definitely feel like I wouldn't have landed where I am today were it not for those unfortunate things like that's the thing that I've you know, talked about in therapy a lot, like, but why did I have to go through that? Was that the only way? Like, couldn't I have just learned it another way? And I think the sad reality about just life is that it's just so unpredictable that, for instance, a pandemic had to happen for certain Mm -hmm. things to happen in people's lives, you know? Because had 2020 not panned out the way it had done, I know for a fact (laughs) I would not be... (laughs) in the job that I am or doing the things that I'm doing. And, you know, it's been a tragic time, but at the same time, there's been silver linings every now and then. So I definitely try not to have regrets. I definitely just accept things for how they are, how God has planned it. And yeah, I just keep going because who knows what tomorrow will bring, you know? It's, It's as if you're reading my mind how how has like how has it been the last couple of months i I need to stop saying the last couple of months it's nearly a year it's like it's like what in the what (laughs) yeah like i need to stop saying it it's not a quarter or a month it's nearly a year um Mm -hmm. how how has covid been for you like how has, like since the death of George Floyd and mm. 
like how how was how was all of that for you mm-hmm. i mean it's quite it's been quite a fascinating time in that it feels still feels very unbelievable to me mm-hmm. um especially when i see it from another perspective so like i was watching the soul train awards earlier and you know some of the like people in the audience were wearing face masks and i'm just like i cannot believe this is our normality it's just like whoa it, it 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 gets it feels very surreal at times but in terms of how the year has been it's been um a revelation you know i i write a monthly newsletter for flygirl collective and you know i said it's just been a year of evaluation like really thinking about the things that matter and the things that don't i've learned a lot about myself because i've had to spend a lot of time with myself and my thoughts and where maybe i had i guess the privilege of escapism so mm-hmm. maybe jumping on a plane to go over to this place so i don't think about this or you know going to a museum at a weekend not that any of these things are problematic but you realize sometimes we do these things because they're just like a, a little band-aid to prevent us from really thinking about the things we should think about mm-hmm. um it's it's been a lot of us understanding who i am what i'm about what matters to me um there's been a lot of you know moments of real concern about you know where I'm at, you know, I'm just spending a lot of time with me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You just do a lot of thinking and, you know, I'm at home. But so it's been a roller coaster the year, like at the beginning of the year, it was just a lot of denial. Like I genuinely thought, oh, this is going to lock off by what, May? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we'll be out in a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just, it just felt so unbelievable because yeah like with most people in the world like nothing like this had ever happened in our in our at least people my age our lifetime so that was that and then when george floyd happened that was like for me it was the reaction that was very very yeah very very surreal Mm -hmm. because we'd seen it before right yeah. You know, we've seen Philando Castile, we'd seen Trayvon Martin, like we've known this narrative and it become and it had become just unfortunately familiar. I just think in this instance, it just felt like, wow, not just the fact that it had been caught on camera and the police officer committed what he did. I mean, that in of itself was just horrific. I don't think I've even watched the end of the video, right? Nope. I think I just like, yeah, I'm sh- you know, I think it was just this real reality that racism was this real thing. Yeah. I mean, like we, we've always known it, but I think it really just hammered home that people were prepared to kill people because of the color of their skin and because they were different and whatnot. And, and because of just preconceptions, misconceptions, and it was encouraging to see like the media and just everyone around the world sort of rally around and say, okay, this is not good or right. It was also unnerving to see 
to experience the impact of that. Like it's one thing that something happens over there and everybody responds to it. But the fact that people were coming into my DMs and suddenly, you know, I'm being considered for things and suddenly people uh-huh. are like asking me to atone for their sins or something. And I'm just like, I did not anticipate this. And I said to someone, I think the sad reality is, is that I become very accustomed to navigating in a racist world. Yeah. And that's what made me feel really sad. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Like at no point did I ever think, oh, well, one day there won't be any racism. It's like, you know what? This is how I'm going to navigate because our lived experience doesn't seem to be <laughs> acknowledged or appreciated or respected. So while I had always appreciated activists and, and had been inspired by them, I think I just personally just thought, you know what, this is just a part of the broken world that we live in, you know, and yeah, business as usual. So it felt very weird just having people just, yeah, ask me questions and yeah, it was so strange because I was like, yo, this has been my lived reality. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So to then unpick that was so painful because it's like, "Mm, I don't want to go back to those experiences. Like I've moved on in my mind. I've moved on from the hurt of that. Like I don't want to dwell on whether or not that was racist or the thing that actually was racist. And I just had to turn a blind eye. Like it's just making me angry. (laughs) Yes. Um, And that's what I found. I just found like there were, whether it's days or weeks or months of just lots of anger that Mm. I hadn't, it's not even I hadn't experienced it. Of course I'd experienced it. But as you Mm. said, it's been repressed for for so long because we just get up in the morning and we're just like, okay, so it's another day of chess. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. to then, for then to have so many people come to you and basically say, oh, so you've been playing chess. Tell me, tell me more about this game. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what it was like just over and over and over again, which is, yeah. it's, it's fine from a, from an educational point of view, but when education then becomes harmful to the educator. Right. It's, it's not the oh, one. Say that again. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not the one. Yeah. Like I remember I said to someone just like on a zoom chat, when you ask me to, like explain racism to you or give you some solution. It's like the knife that I've been stabbed with is still in me and you're twisting it. So you're not even like taking the knife out, letting me heal. You're literally in this moment while I'm experiencing this, asking for all the answers. (laughs) It's just like, I'm still actually bleeding. Like give me a moment to recuperate. You know, and I think that's actually what prompted me to seek out a therapist because it was just a lot. And I was going through every single emotion you can imagine. And mm-hmm. I was like, Lord, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to be angry. I want to be patient. I want to be compassionate because there's some people who genuinely just did not know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they did not know that Black people went through these experiences or didn't even recognize their own unconscious biases and their own sort of attitude. So there, 
needed to be some grace extended without a doubt, but equally it's like, but I'm having to experience this as well. And you know, I'm not Malcolm X, <laughs> you know, I'm just Matilda. I'm not an activist. I don't, I've not read half of these books that people are saying white people need to read. So for them people to ask me for the answers, I'm like, I ain't got the answers. <laughs> I've just got my lived experience. And your lived experience is amazing, which is mm. why we are in this bathtub discussing <laughs> what we are discussing. Yeah. Um, so a few more questions mm-hmm. going back to something that you mentioned earlier on um, have you ever had mentors I have and they've been I guess the most unusual mentors like people who weren't explicitly like I'm your mentor and people who were this is going to be your mentor, but I wouldn't say they were the best mentor. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, and, I, and I'll explain what that means. So my first sort of unofficial mentor mm-hmm. um, was um, through the media. So I used to write for um, a newspaper called New Nation. And the section I wrote for um, was edited by my mentor and friend, Justin. And you know, he was someone who really took time to kind of say, hey, rewrite this or actually I need this to be better. Like he really endeavored to make sure that I was doing good work, that I wasn't mm-hmm. just submitting something and then it's like, mm-hmm. whatever. Like he really challenged me when he needed to and gave me so much of advice just mm-hmm. as I was kind of moving up the ranks. And so, you know, even though he doesn't mentor me directly, anymore I will always be grateful for him just looking out for me and just helping me move up the ranks Um, and then I was a recipient of a Prince's Trust um, loan I I did the enterprise program just before I turned 30 to learn how to start up my own business Mm -hmm. Um, and they gave me a mentor and I mean he was a nice guy but I can't say (laughs) there was anything I learned from him sort of directly <laughs> that changed or inspired what I did. But again, just a nice person to kind of bounce ideas off and, you know, speak to like, you know, I don't think we, you know, I was in a very different industry to him. So that was more the issue rather than him and his ability to mentor. It's just, we probably weren't maybe the best match. Um, and then there's people who, you know, I probably consider mentors indirectly, like it's never been like, will you mentor me? But, you know, (laughs) you know, definitely like you and Charlie, you know, I think what you guys have done for running and just the way you kind of operate and the way you guys have done stuff, you know, have been hugely inspirational to me. So, you know, sometimes mentors aren't necessarily the people who kind of, give you a roadmap, you know, sometimes they're just people who you respect a lot and really inspire you and people who you can learn from. And, you know, I think in the past where maybe you have asked you stuff or I've asked Charlie stuff, you know, I very much, you know, take what you guys say on board. Thank you very much, Matilda. To those people listening, that wasn't like a lineup. I didn't ask that question (laughs) because I thought Matilda was going to say me. That was a genuine question. (laughs) 
Um, now, so when you mentor other people, like how does giving that help make you feel? Um, how does giving that help make me feel? I mean, I, I like helping people. I don't know if I get any, like, I, like I don't do it for the purpose of receiving something. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like, you know, I'm paying it forward. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in just like generations and ensuring that people are set up for, yeah, that, that people are kind of set up for the, where they want to go. Otherwise, things just get lost and things disappear. Yeah. Um, so for me, I kind of feel like it's what I'm supposed to do to just ensure that, you know, the next gen, the next wave of whoever's are sort of set up and ready for you know, whatever they'll face. So I can't say there's like a specific feeling I get out of doing it other than just, yeah, just, just enjoying it. Awesome. Thank you. Um, now I have one more random question. Oh, and yeah, I have one random question. What is your favorite article that you've written? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of that whilst I was listening to to, to what you were talking about. And I was like, I've never, even in our conversations, like I've never, because I know you've written some amazing articles and interviewed some amazing big time people. So I was (laughs) like, what's your, like, what's your favorite interview or or the favorite thing that you've written? Oh gosh, that's such a hard one. Because there's some, there's some, really like memorable moments. I mean, whether or not the actual writing was my favorite, <laughs> but, you know, like, oh, that's such a, that's a tricky one. Um, I mean, I always like to share my Stevie Wonder story just because that was oh. truly wonderful. That was truly wonderful. Um, and yeah, I mean, a, a very long story short, I was a runner at the BBC. So mm very entry level, doing my thing. However, (laughs) (laughs) I was a freelance journalist, unbeknownst Uh to my boss or yeah, to a lot of people. So I used to freelance for a magazine called Blues and Soul. Mm -hmm. And I was really good friends with um, the record label, the, the PR there who was looking after the new Stevie Wonder album that came out. I can't remember a year, but it would have been 2005. Maybe mm-hmm. it's called a, a time, a time to give, a time to live, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it was kind of like a comeback album. And I remember Shane said, look, if I can get some time with Stevie, are you, is that you? Yeah, are you in? I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <Whatever."> you <laughs> so say no. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, trust me, line me up for that. Line me up for that. So I'm thinking this is going to happen a daytime moment where I'm fully ready and prepared. And I was at work and literally the middle of the day, Shane hits me up and says, Matilda, can you get down to this hotel in like 20 minutes? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, (laughs) okay. (laughs) And so, I mean, you can't say no, right? Like you gotta make that happen. So I remember I just said to my boss, yo, I'm going on my lunch break. <laughs> like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> so I, I remember I jumped, I jumped in a cab, got to the hotel. And by the time I got there, 
they, Stevie's team had decided, yeah, sorry, we're not doing no more interviews for the day. And I was like, oh man, dang. I like, I rushed down here and okay. And the hotel wasn't around the corner either. <laughs> like the hotel was near Green Park, like Hyde Park Corner mm-hmm. and Traffic BBC's Central. White City. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, you were that, I thought you were Oxford Circus. Nah, oh, <laughs> I was wow. at White yeah. City, yeah. So, you know, anyway, got there and they were like, mm, yeah, sorry. And they're like, but you can meet him. And I was like, okay. <laughs> if I must. <laughs> Hi, Stevie, I was meant to interview you, but unfortunately we <laughs> <laughs> And that was it. And no, and then he said, oh, can, can she not interview me in the car? Like we're, we're uh, headed over to Parkinson. What? Yeah. <laughs> we're headed to Parkinson's, just jump in. And they were like, yeah, okay, sure, Mr. Wonder, if anything, that's fine. That's so imagine amazing. I'm in a I'm in a taxi sitting next to Steve Wonder. That's amazing. And so Parkinson's was at ITV. So it was the time to get from Hyde Park Corner to South Bank Center, pretty much. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I kind of interviewed him in the back of the car and he was so funny and That's he was amazing. like, oh, you, you sound, you sound like you got Nigerian heritage. Is, is that where you're from? I was like, yes. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Like he was just, he was great. <sighs> and I mean, we had the most hilarious conversation. And so by the time I get to, you know, I think it's ITV interviews done thank you so much mr wonder and now i'm just like raw i've got to get back to white city yeah for my lunch because my lunch is done bro i mean this is like two hours <laughs> gone wow. but the beauty of being a runner is that nobody even cared <laughs> <laughs> came no, back so nothing had changed it wasn't like matilda we've been looking for you and so that ended up being a a cover a cover interview for blues and soul oh, and so wicked. yeah that was definitely my most favorite favorite moment. And no one at the Beeb knew that it was you Bruh, that did that. Not at all. To the point That's that amazing. when I eventually left the BBC and I was freelancing for the Independent, they were like, mm. "Raw, so you 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 you're so a writer." This was you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys just thought because I was a little runner, and this is what I mean about just certain experiences whereby they were just like glass ceilings you know had i come from a certain background had i been a different color you know maybe those opportunities would have been available and maybe i wouldn't have needed to freelance but then equally you know i believe that my path god planned however it's worked out to be what it is you know what i'm saying like so so no regrets at all nah none of them and you know for all them people that underestimated me well said, wow. Oh, wicked man. It's it's amazing to to watch the growth and watch the journey. Like when I first met you, you already you were already doing amazing things. And then you just you didn't even switch your fate, you didn't even switch your focus. You just decided that you were gonna concentrate on 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 two things and then three things and then more things, which is amazing because when we first met in in 2012 as I, as we were discussing earlier you were you were just getting to know running and yeah. now fast forward however many years and you've got your own group <laughs> and, you're, and you're teaching them how to teach other people which is amazing yeah no, and, and amazing, again man. it's not something 
that I had ever anticipated. I mean, I even was always so fearful of Charlie, like asking me to lead like the chief. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't know where we're going. I can't do it. Like, it's just so funny how, you know, just as you allow yourself to grow and also just allow yourself to be brave and take yeah. risks. Cause that's been the thing. I've, I've had to say, you know what, Matilda, it's time to be a leader now, you know, like yeah. it comes with its risks and people not always agreeing with you, but you have to be okay with taking some L's. Like you have to mm -hmm. be okay with, you know, putting yourself in the firing line. Otherwise you just can't lead. <laughs> you no, know what I mean? Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much, Matilda. I have one last question and that question is a simple one. And that is, do you have a question for me? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Matilda laughed evilly. I mean, I can, I can think of one, but yeah, I mean, what has been something you didn't expect to gain from starting the Tub Hub? Oh, um, I did not expect the feedback that I have received in a very very positive way as in mm -hmm. so i i set up the the tub hub not this sounds so weird like i didn't make this for people to listen to does that make sense mm -hmm. i know that sounds really really weird as in like when i when i came up with the idea and i recorded it it wasn't for it wasn't for the listeners, it was for the people that I was interviewing and for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As in, like, I wanted to learn more about help. I wanted to learn more about why I seek help or because I remember when I didn't seek help and I also remember the sort of changes that came about in my life when I started to open up to the possibility of, of like fessing up to people that I was unable to do everything <laughs> as if people yeah. did not know. Um, so when I kind of came up with that idea, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't for people to, to listen to. And, and, and that sounds so weird, but the, the, my biggest surprise is that people want to listen to it. Like genuinely, <laughs> genuinely that's my biggest surprise that people have found it, um, not even entertaining, like people have found it, like it's opened some people's eyes or minds to not even a different way of thinking, more mm. a case of, ah, I never thought about that. And, and after the first episode or the first few episodes came out, I had friends like messaging me and even strangers messaging me saying, ah, oh, I listened to that episode, it was really good. And, or I listened to this episode and it made me think, so I'm now speaking to my wife, or my husband or my friends or whatever about help. And I never thought that it would be something that a lot of men would listen to. And right. I know that also sounds weird as well, but a lot of men have, have either DM'd me or friends and they've kind of said, you know what, bro, thank you. Because I, I don't, this sounds like I don't, talk about this sort of stuff like it's not even normally 
out, this is weird, outside of a bathtub, you don't really talk about these things because if we're 100% honest with ourselves, when we speak to people, even like when you ask someone how they are, you never really expect them to look at you dead in the eye and say, right, I've got this problem with my mom or this problem with my, my yeah. missus or my husband or my brother. You don't expect that. You, you expect, uh, yeah, I'm cool, man. My day's all right. So like people wanting to listen to, to people talk even more freely and openly and being vulnerable has been a learning curve for me. It's been really interesting. And what has even, what's been even more interesting is how non-judgmental people have been. Like there's, there's been no, mm -hmm. no horrible remarks or, or, or what you would, I guess the sort of comments or what you would expect to hear, whether it's 10 or 15, five, however many years ago about men right. speaking about feelings, about men being, you know, like there's been none of that. Mm. so I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised by a lot yeah and i mean it's it's great that you know you were inspired to to create this space because you could have gone in other directions but actually you decided to do something that's quite deep and and quite meaningful for people you know like you could have just been like hey how to get into running or you know, <laughs> a running group or you know just talking about other stuff but i mean it's definitely a testament to you as a thinker you know to kind of come up with this type of uh this approach because i think yeah it, it's it's great I, I love it thank you very much um thank you very much for for joining me on another amazing episode of the Top Hub Matilda. Um, where you. can, thank you. Um, where can people find you? Um, so I'm on Instagram. So under my full name, which is Matilda Igeri Cooper, M-A-T-I-L-D-A-E-G-E-R-E Cooper. Um, <laughs> feel, free, feel free to rewind that if you need to. <laughs> um, and then I also uh, have Flygo Collective. So that's also on Instagram. And yeah, like if people say they've heard this and they DM me, I, I do tend to DM back. I get a lot of DMs nowadays <laughs> for yes. work related stuff, which I can't always, you know, go through. But definitely if people kind of just reach out to say hello, I often say hello back. And, and then I'm also on LinkedIn as well. I tend to connect with people on that too. Yeah, LinkedIn is a, a, a different space that I, I obviously knew it existed. I've obviously used it. But of late, I've been using it, using it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great community on there. Yeah, like it's, man. It's in a way, it's almost becoming a little bit like Twitter. So people are chatting more and sharing things. But I think the way people deal with, like, there's no trolls on there, for instance. At least I no. ain't come across any, no. <laughs> you know. So that's quite nice. And it's just nice to kind of hear like from CEOs talking about stuff, like big marketing people. Like it's, it's definitely become a really dynamic space. And I think that's a testament to them wanting to be more like a, a social network rather than just like yes. networking opportunities. Like actually we want people to be more social on this platform. So yeah, LinkedIn is coming, coming up in a big way. Have you noticed they've added stories to it now? I noticed that. <laughs> When I saw that this morning, I said, but wait, what do you like, mean? They're really trying to weigh in on this. <laughs> yeah. 
Twitter's done it as well, which I was like, why? Like, come on, yeah. people. Let the people who started the team do the team. Like, everyone is... Because I swear, it's TikTok, right? <laughs> TikTok yeah. was the source of all of this. Uh, no, not even and- TikTok. What are you talking about? Snapchat. It was Snapchat was the original stories. Yep. And then everyone just been borrowing from everybody else. It's fascinating. Now, one more. Have you been using Clubhouse? No. Okay. That's, <laughs> Can I say that, was... that with my chest because I'm like, not another network. I mean, is it good? Um, it's just, it's, it's literally vocal Twitter or audio Twitter. <laughs> okay. So it's just, it's, it's, it, everything, everything's just voice notes. And listenings and conversations and learnings. And do you have to take your t- take a turn to speak up? Like, how does it? How, how, what's the moderation? <laughs> no, there's no moderation. <laughs> Are people is... talking over each other? No, no, no. So just think WhatsApp. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's public, so it's yeah. almost like anybody can just go into. And then you have the groups as well. There's groups. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. What, what, do, what do you think of it in terms of its future? Um, do you know what? If I'm 100%, I was invited onto it. As in, there are a lot of these things that I will see. And unless I know people on there, I'm not just going to download it and be like, ah, oh, you should join me on this because I don't really have a use for it if I don't That's have right. anyone to communicate with. Um, right, exactly. So... I'm not, I think, I think it's cool for like just talking to a big audience whereby you don't have to exchange phone numbers. I think Mm -hmm. that's like, I think that's cool. Like you can speak to a lot of people, um, but I'm not quite sure whether or not it's like, I need it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I haven't. I haven't got to a place where I'm like, oh, I need to log into this thing and check stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because with social networks and how they've evolved, obviously, mm. I know we're something of age mates. And <laughs> we are, you know. We are. But I remember, you know, the days of like Black Planet, Black Chat, mm-hmm. you know, these forums where essentially that's what clubhouse was back then except everybody was typing and mm-hmm. there were different interest groups and it's interesting to see how clubhouse is almost like a throwback to that because mm-hmm. now all networks are to some extent for a commercial purpose yeah and back then those networks were literally just about community building and mm-hmm. connection so it may, it may very well be the sort of thing that nobody really needs but as an outlet, it mm-hmm. offers some value that maybe back then when I was using Black Planet and, and Black Chat, that, you know, that was purely for socialization, mm-hmm. you know? I'd, I'd, I mean, yes, I was young. And so there was almost a need to log in. I'm too busy now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have these, you know, I mean, yeah, I just, I ain't got time, but yeah. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out to, to join join us in the tub always always <laughs> um so ladies gentlemen everybody thank you very much for tuning in um i will catch you in final thoughts
What a wonderful episode. Testing, testing, one, two, one, two, and we are back. Welcome to Final Thoughts. And thank you very much for listening to the last episode of The Tub Hub. In today's episode, my final thought is really, really short and simple. Stop blaming the victim. <laughs> 